0: Good morning church it's great to be with you this morning i um i like coming to rivers church of christ because i like to wave the people outside (laughs) give me oh hello hello that's awesome hey how good karaoke night gonna be and i reckon because it's on the election day i think it has extra significance so at morning tea i've got a project for you. you've got to ask each other what is your karaoke song like, if you were, and I know there's probably some crazy karaoke amongst you, but what is your go-to song? And I was thinking, just as we were sitting there, it could depend on the outcome of the election. Like, it could be an anthem, it could be a song of victory, or it could be a lament, it could be a sad song, you know, one of the, just depends. So, I'm uh, eager to, um, to hear how it all goes. It's a great idea. I thought I would remind you this morning that last week was Easter. I want to remind you about that because I understand how much can happen in a week. And in your lives, a lot has happened this week. Kids have gone back to school if they haven't got COVID. Um, If they've got COVID, they've stayed home. If they've stayed home, you've probably stayed home. And a lot of stuff has happened between now and then. So I thought... That I would remind you of Easter. Not let Easter kind of fade away in the complexity of our lives. But just to kind of tag on to Easter. Um, Continue that Easter idea. I know we do, as we meet, continually talk about the risen Jesus. But I thought, in the busyness, let's just keep hold of Easter for a little bit longer. I watched Tim's message online during the week. And he captured me from the opening line. The posture of Easter. Um, it, it resonated with me initially because of the word posture. Because I reckon my mum spent about 27.9% of her life telling me to stand up straight. Stuart. Don't slouch. Stand up straight. So posture got me straight off the road. Mum, you're still nagging me. I mean, (laughs) instructing me in the ways that I should go. (laughs) But posture. But we're not talking about how, how we stand, but our stance, our disposition, our understanding of something. The posture of Easter. And Tim spoke about the resurrection, and the disciples having a posture or a disposition or a stance of defeat and i kind of want to explore that this morning tim made the point that the disciples had no expectation of jesus resurrection but his enemies did ah that really resonated with me how we can have like these blind spots the women went to um, embalm a dead body no expectation that they would meet the risen Jesus. Although they were told that this would happen. For example, in Matthew 17, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and he'll be raised on the third day. Fairly specific, isn't it? And even as he's saying those words, the disciples were greatly distressed. We've, I think we've got to cut them some slack. I and mean, it's not like it's an everyday occurrence. So I think we have to be a little bit kind to the disciples. But they had this posture of defeat. And as I thought about that phrase, for me, it's like reality exists, but the posture of the f- defeat is like a filter that goes over the top of things. And it's like a, a filter over the top of a photo or, or, or something you've taken on your phone. And put a filter over it and the colours become dull. And the liveliness in that photo just kind of dies down. Although it's the right picture, it's a picture of reality, the filter or the posture of the feet just kind of turns the volume down on things. I don't know whether you experienced that. And even as we follow Jesus, that can be a feature of our fellowship, is that things just aren't as good as we thought they were going to be. So, why do... Or why can we have a posture of defeat? As followers of the risen Savior, we've sung words this morning about victory, about living with Jesus, experiencing him as a good, good father. So, why do we have this really awkward situation of being that, but still living in survival mode or maintenance mode? Why aren't we experiencing the transformation that Jesus spoke about? There are heaps of reasons but one of them might be unrealistic expectations we know that Jesus doesn't promise a peaceful trouble-free life we know that but sometimes we live with that expectation expectation that would if we're if we're good little Christians everything will go well you know if I do the right thing You know, that kind of insulates me from all the problems that everyone else experiences. And I know as I say that, you're going, oh, that's ridiculous, Stuart. But that is alive in my life. I can get to situations that are really challenging and go, well, God, come on. I've been a good little boy. Maybe... That's one of the reasons why we can have a posture of defeat. But this morning, I want you to come with me on a little bit of an exploration. And I want to ask you a question. This is what I've been playing with during the week. Does the nature of Jesus' resurrection give us a clue to why we can have a posture of defeat? That's the question that we're exploring. Does the nature of Jesus' resurrection give us a clue to why we can? have a posture of defeat. I jumped down this rabbit hole starting with a quote I remembered from N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright's scholar, New Testament guru, tells us that in Jesus' time, non-Jewish thought, first century Mediterranean world, thought that the physical resurrection of someone was impossible. There's no surprise. But this is what caught my imagination. Not only did they think it was impossible... It was also undesirable. Like, who would want to get resurrected? How dumb is that? Because they had drawn a line between what was spiritual and what was physical. So what was spiritual and ethereal and mystical was good. What was physical, the body included, was weak and corrupt and capable of corrupting. So there was this divide. Spiritual good, physical bad. And I wondered as we talked, as I thought about this during the week, they'd set up this dichotomy. And I wondered whether a similar dichotomy exists in us. Some of us follow Jesus more emotionally. We know the truth, we feel the truth, we have a deep, honest, genuine connection to Jesus. But what we believe about Jesus does not necessarily inform or transform our behaviour and lifestyle. We have a, an emotional connection with Jesus. So you might explain your faith experience as being having a, a head and heart faith, but not necessarily a hand and feet faith then there are those of us who follow Jesus physically. We're doers. We, We are active. We're activists. We do lots of things, but often what we do isn't in response to who Jesus is. It's not an act of love or obedience. It may be duty or a habit. And in that case, where hands and feet follow us, but not necessarily head and heart follow us. So maybe we live with that divide. We don't talk about it. It's not obvious. But maybe in the actuality of our living, that's how we, how we function. We love Jesus, but it doesn't show up in how we live. We work for Jesus, but it's kind of disconnected from who Jesus is. So how does the nature of Jesus' resurrection help us to understand this? Jesus' resurrection was real. There's no doubt about that. Tim talked about that last week. In 1 Corinthians uh, 15... Paul gives a big long list of Jesus' appearances. Jesus appeared to Peter and the 12 disciples and to James, 500 people at the same time. In John 21, I love this scene, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, died on the cross, now he's risen, turns up for breakfast with the disciples and they have fish fish for brekkie. Here's the resurrected Jesus and he comes up, you guys hungry? Fish sounds good. How cool is that? But the classic encounter is the one we read before with Thomas. I don't know about you, but I love Thomas because I would have been like Thomas. These jokers would have said, oh yeah, Jesus has risen. I would have gone, yeah, prove it. I would have been Thomas. Unless I see the hands and the feet, Uh uh-uh. I want empirical evidence. I know what he said, but I want to see it. So I'm team Thomas. It says eight days later. His disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them because he wasn't with them last time. Uh, Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. As if, as if you're in a locked door, you're hiding away, you don't know what's happening, is Jesus risen, I don't know. And he turns up and he goes, oh, peace be with you. I would have, turmoil be with you. Peace be with you. Then he said, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand in the place in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Jesus' resurrection was physical and real. He was touchable. but same passage as we made fun of before, the risen Jesus just turns up. It's a locked room and Jesus is there. You now the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, Jesus journeys with a couple of his followers and is able to disclose uh, to hide his identity. Then he reveals his identity and then he disappears. In Acts 7, Jesus appears um, to Stephen in his dying moments. In Acts 9, Jesus appears to Paul on the road to Damascus as a brilliant light. Jesus was real, Jesus' resurrection was physical and real, but also different. Now, Jesus didn't do the showing up in locked doors, locked room thing before his resurrection, but after his re- resurrection, That was his speciality. And Jesus, in Jesus' resurrection, he exposes the false dichotomy or the false separation of spiritual and physical. There is no separation. Jesus dies and becomes resurrected so we can be made whole. So there's no division, fragmentation in a follower of Jesus. We are whole. There's not either or. It's both and. He was whole. He was complete. First Peter tells us that in Jesus we are born again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus was resurrected. We have been born again. We are the same but different. Christians are not people who simply believe something. People Christians are someone who have been born again, recreated through the spirit of God. We look the same, but we are totally different. And one of the major differences is that we now have the Holy Spirit, God's God's spirit living within us, with us And in us, we are the same but different. John 10.10 says that I've come that you may have life, not just existence, that you would have life to the full. Our grandkids usually come over for lunch on Sunday and the very well-behaved children take after their grandfather. When they're eating their meal, they have to finish their glass of water and then they are allowed some Pepsi and they line the cups up um, and Pop pours the Pepsi and they go more, more, more and if I didn't step in as a responsible adult they would want that cup full and overflowing you know they would like to experience the meniscus on top of the cup we have a full life if you have a full cup It's not partial, it's not disconnected, it's full, it's not limited, it's not fragmented, it's not compartmentalised. Followers of Jesus this morning, we are whole. All those bits that were in enmity with each other are now made whole in Jesus. The bits, the confusion, the inconsistencies of our life are now brought together, made whole under the reign of King Jesus. The resurrection made it possible for the restoration of God's life in man through a real spiritual rebirth, a total rebirth. So, let's get a little practical this morning. Um, How can we live whole? If that's our reality, if Jesus has brought those fragmented parts of us together, it's not physical and spiritual we're whole in jesus if that's the reality and it is how do we cooperate with that how do we make it work um, maybe as we've gone through this this morning you've recognized that as a follower of jesus you may more be more a doer you like to help you like to be active you're a bit of an activist but maybe even as we're speaking at the moment you've recognized that that doing can become duty you can just go through the motions it's become disconnected maybe your doing has been drained of meaning and maybe this morning you're feeling a little used and abused by the church because you just keep turning up and doing the stuff that no one else seems to do. Well, if that's where you're at this morning, let's see how we can reconnect your action, reconnect your loving um, with loving Jesus and others. How do we make Jesus' love for you your motive and inspiration for your doing. So it really answers the question of why do you do that? It's a really unnerving question, why? Why do you do that? Um, Just always have. Because no one else does. Probably not a good enough reason. So if you're a doer, let the, the love that Jesus has for you to be your motive and inspiration... Why do you turn up at Morton Bay Region Matters? Because the love of God compels me to. Because what I do there or anywhere else is a genuine expression of Jesus' love for me. It's my expression of my love for him and for others. So we connect or reconnect what we do with our relationship with Jesus. And we make what we do responsive. I don't know if in the Church of Christ tradition you used to have responsive readings. When I was a law follower, someone would read something and you'd read it backwards and forwards and we'd always get confused, but it was good. It was responsive. Something happened and you responded. That's kind of, the, well, it's not the kind of, it is the, the type of spirituality that we have as followers of Jesus. Jesus has done something enormous, e.g. Easter and because jesus has done something enormous we constantly respond our life has a responsive spirituality so if you're a doer let's reconnect what you do with your love for jesus so how do we do that what are some practical things that we can do well maybe you could explore god's love for you maybe over time and space that phrase has become a bit of a cliche. Maybe it's just like something that's on one of those motivational posters, God loves you. Maybe if you're a doer and you need to reconnect your doing with Jesus, explore that in your quiet time, in your devotional life, that God is not just love, He loves you. Um, He is eternally, passionately committed to you for eternity. And when you get that, when that soaks in, you reconnect your doing to who Jesus is. Explore grace. One of the most annoying things grace. Explore grace that it's not God's favor is not dependent on your performance. Man, I wish we would get that as followers of Jesus. Win, lose, or draw, Jesus loves you. Explore. If you're a doer, explore the the concept of grace. Read books about it. Can I encourage you also to engage meaningfully in worship? Whether it's here on a Sunday morning, of Monday night, in the car, in your actions, but sing those songs and, and embody those songs through your actions. So in worship, we link the God with our actions if you're this morning thinking i'm probably more of a sensing person a sensing follower and maybe this morning you've recognized that in your experience of following jesus it's more theoretical and and less productive you know things and you love things about jesus but then you find there are things in your life that jar with that, that are inconsistent. And you can escape back to, I love you, Jesus, but there is this unsettledness in your life where it just doesn't connect, it just doesn't add up. If you're a sensor, if you feel Jesus, we need to find you an expression of love. We need to find you an outlet for that passion. Maybe we reconnect your loving Jesus with your lifestyle. Allow Jesus' love to inform your decisions and your priorities and your attitudes and actions, because maybe Jesus has been um, not involved in those things before. We compartmentalize. Jesus exists in my worship, but not in my everyday. He exists in my devotional time, but not in my business life. Reconnect those things. Reconnect God with your decisions, priorities, attitudes, and actions, some of the things you might, practical things you might like to do. Um, there's a, a great reality as we love God, we obey Him. If you love me, you will obey me. That's what Jesus says. So if you have a passionate love for Jesus, find a way to obey Jesus and express it. I think Tim said in the announcements, that there's needs in the church. Um, There's always needs in the church. Is that a need that you can fulfill? Is that a need that can become um, a genuine expression of your devotion to Jesus? Why why am I going to help out in kids' church? Because Jesus loves me and I love him. And this is how I show it. encourage an attitude of servanthood. Um, Jesus says, you want to be a leader, be a servant. So are there things or people you can offer yourself to? And I reckon the opening phrase of a servant is, how can I help? It's really simple. Is there a need? Is there somewhere that needs help? So I've done something a little sneaky this morning. I've used a false dichotomy Um, i've explored a false academy to to bring us together in a whole so it's probably a, a bit sneaky of me doing that so if you are recognizing this morning that you have in practice this kind of divided spirituality and jesus has died to make you whole let's bring it back together because the resurrected body of jesus has returned to the father but the body of Christ remains here on earth. That's us. And it's a really good thing to remember. What would God's Jesus' body be doing if it was here? That's what we do. We continually, as followers of Jesus, appropriate, receive Christ's resurrection life. It's not just an Easter thing. That constantly we need to be refilling ourselves with the reality of Jesus' resurrection. I want to just finish with this quote. Christianity is not a message of merely what has been and what will be. It's a message of what is. This is our reality. The vital dynamic of the resurrected Jesus who restores the whole of creation. And he invites us as whole followers to join him in that project. So once we live separated, left hand and right hand, didn't really know what each other were doing. And Jesus dies on a cross and he brings us together. He makes us whole with him. And then these, a whole lot of these whole people gather in the church. All these whole people being whole together. That is a beautiful picture, isn't it? But do you know what the bigger picture is? When whole followers join with a whole heap of other whole followers, it not only benefits us, but the bigger picture of that of this is that it benefits our neighbourhood. It benefits our world. It benefits the people we catch the train with. It benefits the people we have lunch with. It benefits the people we work with. It benefits every person we come in contact with. Whole people hanging out with a whole group of other whole people. And as we go our way, we bring that wholeness, that reality of the risen Jesus into every frame. And it can be done in spectacular ways, but most of the time it's done in unspectacular ways. We bring the reality of God's existence into their real world by being whole people. We're going to pray together now and this is really awkward because I'm going to pray on your behalf. I don't know where you're at. I don't know whether you're a doer or a censor. I don't know whether you've even listened. But I'm going to, in faith, pray on our behalf. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we want to acknowledge that we have blind spots There are things about following you that we just don't see. And Lord, we pray this morning in faith that you and your spirit have revealed to us maybe a blind spot in our life. Maybe we've identified as we follow you more as a follower, more as a doer. And we've kind of seen that in our own lives. And Lord, we've seen that our our doing can be disconnected from you. It's not an expression of our love for you. So Lord, we pray and ask you to help us to bring those two things together so that as we serve you and others, as we do, as we do those really mundane things, that they would be genuine expressions, genuine responsive expressions of our love for you. Lord, if we're senses, Lord, I pray that you would show us how that we could. We could connect what we feel, our emotions, Lord, to our actual lifestyle. Lord, give us a project. Give us a focus. Is, is it an activity or a person that we can pour um, your love into? That can be our outlet. Lord, help us to connect what we feel to how we live and what we do. And Lord, we just overwhelmed by that concept of being whole and then being whole together not just for our benefit Lord but for your benefit and the benefit who do not know your love have not yet experienced your love Lord that's the grand vision that we are your body that, and they cannot see you but they see you through us they experience your love, your reality through us and Lord we pray this morning that that would fill in um, the desires and the, and the ambitions of, of who we are to be living, breathing um, demonstrations of your love and reality. Lord, Spirit, you know where we go and who we're with and what our life looks like. And Lord, we pray that even now you'd be bringing things to our attention to go. You know what? I, I could demonstrate my my love, by by doing that. I, I could inform my doing by reconnecting to that. Lord, show us individually, personally this morning, the next step that you want us to take. What's the one thing that you want us to do in response to you being with us this morning? What's the one thing? Holy Spirit, we're in your hands. Help what you've said this morning to stay with us. To pursue us. Give us the courage that we need to respond in love to your invitation. We pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.